So last podcast, I said I was going to take some of your questions. So either you could type them into me or you could um, voice message them into me. And you did. And so alhamdulillah, this session is going to be just literally, I picked two of the sisters out of the lot and I'm going to answer your questions. And inshallah ta'ala, um, if you have any more, you can continue to send them to me on Instagram at Mindful Muslima. But let's get started. Let's find out the questions that we're having about starting um, brands, businesses, side hustles, things for halal employment for ourselves or in other spaces with jobs and interviews, all that good stuff. Let's go. Assalamualaikum. Welcome back to the Mindful Muslim Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Muslim, mom of five, big sister to the community, um, licensed educator of 25 plus years, alhamdulillah, in all different areas in the US and Dubai. And um, I've been taking your questions on Instagram in the past week related to working. Um, many of you were very um, interested in the fact that I once had a traditional job. I did the old like degree thing. And I, you know, did traditional like going to work, commuting, driving, and now I don't anymore. It, it just didn't serve me. Maybe at one point in my life it did, doing it for, I don't know, maybe since the late 90s. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> but there was a point where I was like, we got to move with the times. Like, and I want to be, like I was having these life realizations. I want to be with my kids. I want to be home. I don't want to spend like so much of my life commuting. A lot of times if you're in New York City, woo, woo, shout out to women in New York City. Um, it is ridiculous. The traffic, yes. Yeah. All right. So like there was one point where my family and I, we moved from one part of Queens, actually maybe like the border of Long Island. It was like, we want a little bit of, you know, green space um, to this part of Queens. And it was really exciting for us because we were like, for those of you who know the demographics, it goes like, Long Island, then Queens, then Brooklyn. It's like the way you like you ease in, right? And Brooklyn was where my husband worked and, and, and it was where like all of our friends were in our circles. And we were driving all the way down to, if anybody knows what Bay Ridge is, and we'd be there and shopping there in Ramadan and meeting friends and going to different masajid. And let's just say from our house, it's a good hour and a half, two hours with traffic. So it's, it's one way. So we had moved at one point to this part of Queens that if I looked at how long it would take for me to get to our usual spots in Brooklyn, it was just 20, 25 minutes away. Well, we were so excited. We moved into that that apartment. We got so excited. We settled in. And within the first week, it hit me. Oh my goodness. The the traffic, the constant lights, the constant cameras. You get, you have to go to snail's pace or you get an instant 50 $50 US dollar ticket for those of you outside the US instantly. It's just like there's so many cameras to be cameras every five minutes on the major roads and everything. Anyway, we realized it's not 20, 25 minutes away. It's about 50, 55 minutes away. Okay. We, we shaved a little bit off of, you know, 25, 30 minutes here there, but honestly it was just like a quarter or a little bit more. It was nothing significant, at times, that was like, with that was with no traffic. As soon as there was traffic, then it was easy, like an hour and 20 again. So the point is, 
New York City's crazy. And so I get tired of that. And from that before, there was a point where I lived deep into um, Long Island and I would work in the Bronx. And it would take me two and a half hours one way. And like, God forbid there was snow or anything else. So you might not have as crazy, um, you know, past experiences or current experiences with traffic as I do where you live. But if you're in a major metropolitan city of any kind, usually traffic is, is very crazy. I remember when I was living in Dubai, it was um, 20, something was just 20 minutes away, but it would take like a good hour and a half, same thing, because of the way they designed the roundabouts. It was just, I don't know who did that. I have a lot of words to say, but I'll just hold them back. I think they're just trying to get people to burn petrol so they could make money because it was totally ridiculous how many times you had to go around for something that was just right across the road. Anyway, so alhamdulillah, the point is that gave me this realization. I want to be with my kids and I'll be like spending my life in the car, um, burning gas, wasting time. Alhamdulillah, I'm sitting in the car, I'm, I'm doing lectures and Quran, but seriously, ladies, who wants to? So with that, I took on to the online world, and here we are today. And that transition, it was quite the learning curve. But I'm I'm pretty, I have the grit. I have the old school grit, and I figured it out. And I put a lot of time and in, in, in investing of myself and maybe sometimes money or courses or different things. Anyway, the point is, like learning under leaders and other mentors, like I put my time in, right? So here's the thing. Most of y'all don't have that time. Like, nope, don't have the time, don't have the resources. Could you help me out? So that's what this podcast is about. It's a continuation of our last one. If you didn't already, go back to that one about how to have a passionate, like, side gig that you love, or maybe that's your full-time thing. It's about being a Muslima in the career world. How to not let your career, quote unquote, take over your life. Most of us want life balance, want to be with the family, want to have money enough to not fret about money and also do something we love. This is, this is what this is all about. So let's dive right in. I have two questions from you all. I, there, there are more and you can still send me more. Maybe in the next podcast or two, I'll cover them. And so at Instagram, um, you can send them to at mindful Muslima, more than welcome. Maybe by midweek or end of this week, I'm going to have, um, the registration start for a free class or like a workshop that I'm going to do with sister Saida. Many of you know her, if you're in Thrive Muslima, she's doing the resentment series and I know you love her. She is just phenomenal. Maybe we're on our like, I don't know, 10th or 12th, um, resentment series inside of Thrive. And for those of you who do not know what I'm talking about, um, we, we kind of feel like we open Pandora's box. Most of you guys know, um, I created something like uh, called Thrive Muslim, which is the global international community. So in there, we have all types of live classes and courses and whatever, so women can grow and thrive, right? So while I'm doing that, I'm like, you know, I let women choose the topics. Like, what do you want to learn about? Like, I know that I have to give you the core basics, but like, what do you want to take care of? And many of them are having issues in their relationships, their finances, like, things with their parents, things with their husbands. And when we cut down to it, it all came down to bitter resentment on so many levels. There were so many, there was like racial resentment, financial resentment, marital resentment, parental resentments, like sibling resentment. Oh my goodness. Y'all were resenting. <laughs> you were resenting a lot. But Allah, like her sessions, have you guys just talk it out. It's like one massive discussion, kind of similar to my book club style. So if you like that, you might want to dive in. And you can check that out at Thrive Muslima um, online um, or DM me if you don't know how to get there. But the point is, she's going to be doing that workshop with me. So really, really excited. Um, inshallah ta'ala. So like, as I was, you know, talking about this on Instagram and on the podcast, you all sent me 
some requests. So let's dive right into that. But I just want to start off with like making you understand like kind of what happened with me in that shift and why we're on this topic. So many of you are asking me, so let's do it. All right. So um, the first one is from a revert. I don't want to say her name because I don't know that she wants me to. She actually didn't specify and I actually didn't get a chance to fully answer her yet. So I'm going to answer her on this podcast and then let her know to listen for herself on the podcast. How crazy is that, right? You might get surprised if you answer me. If you want to have me mention your name, uh, I would love if you would just let me know that. This person, I didn't get a chance, but I would love to um, answer her. Because she said, you know, um, she she basically messaged me about the affiliate program we have. We have an affiliate program. So she's like, I also recently learned about your affiliating program. I'm so excited I found it. I immediately signed up. And this is a revert sister. She's messaging me. We have an affiliate program where um, you make money every time if you share our items that you... Um, you make like a certain percentage of money for anyone else who joins. And we do that because we want to spread the word to other women and help other women, but help you all make money too in the, in the sense of building your own selves. So an immediate side hustle to make money actually without you doing anything but sharing a link is actually our affiliate program. So the first thing she did was mention that. And for anybody who who's interested in that, because I know I'm going to get a flood of DMs and maybe not be able to answer them, just go to www mindful-muslima-muslimh.com. And as soon as you open the front homepage, you'll see like a bottom bar or something that says join our affiliate program. You press the button within two minutes, you're in, they give you a link and you just share it on WhatsApp, Facebook, wherever. They even rewrote the, they even wrote the little paragraph for you. So you could just like paste it in. And for every person that joins, it's like, you'll see, they do the breakdown there of everything. My team. Okay, so after she was talking about the affiliate program for a bit and how passionate she was to like share her story and help other women, kind of like what I do and she's telling me about that. She said she signed up for the affiliate program, but she had this one question. She said, do you think it is possible to build a stable income during the beginning promoting time? Um, I love your content. I'm so happy I came across you. Could you please, you know, answer my question? So Yeah. Let's do that because I think that's really a great question. Like if I want to do something for myself, how soon can I expect to make money? Now we're going to be covering in the big class, like I told you, we're going to help you make an entire, um, it's a totally free, totally free. Um, the Muslim professionals workshop, it's, it's going to be us making a blueprint of what you want, your passion. We're going to help you like brainstorm, but let's pretend, you know. Okay, let's pretend like this sister saying she already knows what she wants to do. She just wants to be realistic with income. Like, can I expect to make income right away? Like, is that realistic? So here's the thing. The answer is it depends. It depends. It really depends on what you're wanting to do. So let me give you an example. Let's pretend I want to start a tutoring company. I've had actually had a sister do that. She called me up maybe six months ago. She said, I want to do a tutoring company. Um, I want to start off because a lot of women, they call me and they want to do like coaching of this type. That's the other reason I thought we might want to do um, a free workshop because, you know, people are asking me. So anyway, so she wants to start this and she was like, I don't know where to start, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I ended up taking her on where she wanted to talk to me regularly. And one of the things we talked about was exactly that. So she ended up doing a tutoring company. So let me explain something with that. She already had people who were interested, like like in the neighborhood, let's say two to three to four people. 
And she was already making money with that, but then she realized she wanted to turn it into like an agency where she trained other people to tutor. And then, so it wasn't just herself tutoring, it was other people. That's a really great idea. And this sister is only 23. Okay. She's only 23. She's in the U S I think Staten Island. And she was, um, calling me about this. And so I helped her. And since then she started up her website. She has, um, a whole bunch of clients and she's good to go. And I say that to you because if you already have something that you're already doing and people are interested, it's one of the things, remember on the list of like passions on the side, you can genuinely make money first before you start something, right? So if you've already started it, um, then, then if you just turn it into, let's say a quote unquote, um, side hustle and the, the word side hustle doesn't have to be icky, by the way, I know we've like ickified it. I don't know. That's not a word I'm making it up, but you know what I mean? Where, where we made it like, oh, it's like grimy because the non-Muslims turned it into like this, like hustle culture. Like it doesn't have to be a hustle culture. Ladies, you're allowed to have a little something that you do on the side and make money off it. Like a little Etsy shop, like a little, um, like a little, a little program like this sister had. Now she's also actually she works full time but she just wanted this like humming on the side on her weekend and her nights she's not married yet and she wanted to do a little something to build herself so let's say if she got married she could like ditch her full-time job and then just do this part-time on the side and be like a happy wife at home which I think is great she's trying to set her up like her whole future up I love that I love the forward thinking so it doesn't have to be like an icky hustle culture where you're trying to do it to make big money. That is not her intention. Remember, actions are based on intention. So after obviously finding your passion, renewing your intention, if this sister thinks she knows what she wants to do, she's saying, how much money can I make? So the answer I have is it depends. If you already have something going on, then as soon as you start up something, like this is what I would do. If you already have people who are on the side and they are um, you know, willing to, to use your services, let's say you tutor five different people, you give them a coupon. You say, listen to me, for every person that signs up additional with me, I'm going to give you like 25% off. She can do that. She can say, here's a coupon for the next time you tutor with me. You know how motivating that is for somebody who tutors? They have to pay her money anyway. Of course, they would like a discount. There's not usually discounts on that stuff. So here she's saying for every single person, you're going to get X amount. You can make whatever deal she wants up. You know, you get a free tutoring session, you get a half off, like whatever she wants to do. So she makes a deal and that's what she did, right? And she started getting more and more and more clients. She went from five to 10 instantly. It could be something as easy as that in transition. And then she made the website, a simple website, and she has everybody signing up. And don't worry about the website stuff that comes later. But the point is she got things going right away. She's making money right away. She doubled her income right away. And that is really, really possible. Then if there's somebody else who is maybe starting out something 100% from scratch, you might have to like create something first, right? And then maybe get a little, if, if you feel like you could do it all by yourself, that's great. If you feel like you want to hire somebody, like you want to be the brains and have them create, like I want to create an ebook and sell it and I need somebody else to to help me with the images because I'm not an artist. Like there's so many easy ways we could talk forever. That would take a little longer, right? And that would make sense, right? Because there's some planning involved and you don't have a, a, a product quote unquote already. And so the first question I have here is for people who are trying to create something for the first time themselves. My overall suggestion is if you're a person who needs money and is currently working, don't ditch that job. Okay. When I went from working full-time outside to working from home, I didn't ditch anything. 
I didn't do any big moves until I knew the next thing was secure and I could easily slide over and eliminate the other one. Now, I wasn't planning on doing it as fast as I did. Allah is the best of planners. And he showed me this speedy way that I didn't want to do, but I submitted to, as many of you guys know from my story. And alhamdulillah, um, it actually turned out to be even better than the full. Like, that's why you have to trust Allah. It ends up being even better for me in so many ways. I can go on for days than the full-time job. And I was a seasoned professional. I'm talking like, I'm a person who has 25 plus years. I'm a person who has like multitudes of experience. I've worked on the government level, you know, the state level, I've worked internationally. And so like to, to top that in a transition like that, it's not usually that good. It usually just goes backwards, to be honest, unless you have the trust of Allah. You submit to Allah. I didn't do it the way I wanted to. I did the way he wanted to. So there's this element of faith. I didn't make that move without istikhara. I didn't make that move without making sure everything was halal. I didn't make that move without renewing my intentions. So let's bring it back. So it's not about financials. It's, it's, it's about the Islamic way. You could, you could do it both if you know how to do it the right way, right? And you could be resilient like how I experienced and how this other sister experienced. Um, you know, if you have that approach. So hope that answers you, sister. Um, inshallah, if you have any other questions, you could always submit more. The second sister, really quick, she had a very different situation. She is um, one of those women who have decided and then later in her life, she wants to start wearing hijab. And now she has to work and there are some concerns. So I'm going to read. She has a bit of a, you know, and this is what I'm going to say. This question is a great question because hers is all about emotional overwhelm. A lot of us are trying to do bigger, better, greater things for ourselves, and we're stressing out over them or we feel like, like I can't take another thing. And we're looking at this passionate life side hustle or um, just like working outside in a proper place with fidelity, like the Islamic way as something like we're trying to do, but it feels really far away or really difficult. And we're trying to make that move and do the right thing, but we're not quite sure we're nervous and all that stuff. So this is one of those questions. And so I loved it. I thought it was really apropos for like all the anxiety that's going on today. Um, and she just said, I love your work and all that you do. I've been following you a very long time. And I just want some advice on something that's been really difficult for me recently. I've always wanted to wear hijab for the past five years, but my parents were never okay with it. The last time I brought it up was my dad with my dad and Ramadan, and he strictly forbade me to wear it. So we're talking about a Muslim here, a born Muslim who is being forbade by the parents. And nine out of ten times when you ask the parents why, it's because they're like, she doesn't need that till she's married. So that is such an, an a cultural ethnic thing that is not Islamic. That is absolutely wrong. There are times when our parents are wrong. And alhamdulillah, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said, just like want to clarify this for women listening, um, that the only time you have to obey and listen to your parents is when it's in line with Islam. If your mom tells you you're not allowed to pray, you're not allowed to wear hijab, you're allowed to be defiant. In a polite way, but yes, you're allowed to be defiant. If she tells you something else, maybe not the case. But when it comes to worshiping Allah, they don't have the right to take that away from you. That's actually right. So anyway, so she's, she's stressing, obviously, because, you know, she lives in her parents' house. That's stressful. So the last time I ever brought up my dad in Ramadan, but he was strictly against it and forbade me. It has come to my mind um, three months ago, you know, that I, I decided to work on my dean, dress more modestly, wearing the scarf around my neck, longer skirts. 
I want, like they're trying to get better. May Allah reward them. I love this. I love this. Again, I'm just keeping them secret because they didn't mention if they wanted to have their name. Ladies, if you want your name mentioned, tell me. Otherwise, I'm just going to like respect your privacy. So she said, I told my mom yesterday because I was too scared to tell my dad. And she told me that they still forbid it and have concerns. So even her mom's not on her side. Gosh, that's got to be hard, right? I don't have the courage to tell my dad because I fear of crying and getting emotional. And if I go against his wishes, he'll be abusive. Oh no. See, see, ladies, things like that. That's maybe when you want to talk to somebody. I don't know. That's really, I, have to, I would have to, like, if she was calling me up on a consultation, I would talk to her more about that. Anyway, this leads up to a job question ironically, but that was that backstory. So I'm really glad she gave it in context. That's helpful. I have a job interview coming up soon. This is a really big test for me. I would really like some help because I want to wear hijab to the interview. Like she wants to show up as who she is. And that's really, really beautiful. And I totally commend her for that. I love that. May Allah reward you, sister. May Allah make it easy for you. Um, but, but she's fearful. She's expressing, you know, in a long way, all kinds of fears. I've been doing everything to make dua to Allah and tahajjud, but I just, I just worry about my level of confidence and I keep delaying. The last thing I want to do is cause a problem in my family. And, um, you know, thank you so much. I think talking about, um, sisters who struggle to wear hijab, not just with their parents, but with like in the workforce would be really great. And she was just like giving me all these other suggestions for podcasts, which I absolutely love. So um, I want to answer this sister's question about the hijab and stuff. So, you know, in the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, the Sahaba, you know, I, lo- I know we think about them as these like diehard great Muslims, like, and we probably think about them in the back of our mind, like unconsciously as people who were born on the deen. Now, although many of them were chosen by Allah, they did not follow Islam till later because it didn't come till later, right? The Prophet, peace be upon him, right, in his 40s, gets the revelation. Now he's been best friends with other people in the town or the tribe for decades. None of them are practicing Islam, although the Prophet peace be upon him, he never like did idolatry or anything like that, alhamdulillah. But there were other Sahaba, like you could think of Umar anhu. He was violently angry. He was always wrestling. He was causing trouble. He was a drunk, like, and he's one of my favorite Sahaba, but not, that's not why. But you know what I mean? That was his jahiliyyah. He used to worship the idols. He said he used to carry the dates in his bag on the long journey. And then he would shape the dates into an idol and he would pray to it. And then later on, he would eat it because <laughs> he was hungry on the journey. There was one of the hadith, I, I'm paraphrasing what happened. He was talking about one day he was laughing and then crying. And then they said, why, Omar? And he told this story of like how, how foolish he felt. And how he was crying for happiness and Islam, and but he was also laughing at himself. So subhanAllah, you know, we have our jahiliya, many of us, born Muslim, revert, whatever. And jahiliya, for those of you who don't know, is like your time of ignorance. You know, that time when you didn't know better, right? And usually it's like, usually pre-Islamic thinking. So anyway, um, yeah, alhamdulillah, you know, we have these situations. So alhamdulillah, in the time of the Sahaba, they were like that. Then Islam came, alhamdulillah. Khadija, his wife, may Allah preserve her, she accepted. And Abu Bakr and, and other people. You know, Alhamdulillah, Islam is beautiful. But their parents were not Muslim. Subhanallah. So we have to look to them for examples. How did they handle that? There's many stories of Sahab, and I've told this story before, and it really honestly never left my mind. 
there was one Sahaba in particular, and I cannot, the name is just uh, leaving me for a moment, just because I'm on the spot, I'm thinking about it. So uh, he would go to his mother's house, and she's non-Muslim after he became Muslim, and he would just knock the door, you know, your mama, and just come, you know, whenever, it's going to the door. And uh, his mom would just instantly, as soon as she opened the door, just start beating him. And he would just bend over, like, you know, as a grown man, and let her hit him on the back, whatever, with a stick, something like this, until she was tired. And then he would say, Assalamu alaikum, mama, can I come in? Like, they're calling him mama, obviously, by Arabic word. But you get me. I'm not saying to endure abuse. That was definitely not my message there, if anyone missed it. It was that the level of patience that they had with their parents, it was, then they were dealing with extreme situations. And the good news of that story is one day, he came to his mother's house and he knocked on the door. And you know what she said when she opened the door? She said, Ashhadu wa la ilaha illallah. And she made shahada, the whole shahada. And he's like, what? And she's like, I never saw you a better son than after Islam. There is something with this Islam. Subhanallah. So, sisters, your behavior in response to their ignorance is equally important right? Subhanallah. We do not yell at our parents. We don't say off even when they disgrace us. And that's a whole nother podcast, right? How to deal with parents who are a little bit toxic, right? Or a little bit misinformed. I'm not going to go into that today. What I will say is this, when it comes to hijab, salah, anything that is a thing that a woman needs to do, like it's, it's a, it's a consideration for Jannah, right? So Subhanallah, um, you have to have strength, you have to want to please Allah more than the people. And you have to deal with your parents with kindness throughout the entire situation. But you should not fear them. Okay? If you truly fear for your life, sisters, then you need to go to get go to a therapy or a police station. Like if you legit fear for your life. A lot of sisters are not fear for their life. They're just scared, like in terms of anxious. But if you are, like I said, in a really dangerous situation, absolutely ask for help. That's not okay. So anyway, for this sister, you have to stand your ground. I don't know how old you are. If you are as old as I, it sounds like you are, maybe your early 20s, then you should be wearing hijab. Obviously, you're past the time of puberty, sister. And so, alhamdulillah, even if you they, they don't let you wear it in the house, because, you know, in the house makes no sense. When you leave the house, put hijab. Put hijab for the job, sister. Put for everywhere. You don't have to come traipsing in the house with hijab if you feel like you're not there yet. But um, there's no reason if you're outside, you cannot. And if you're that grown, this is your right. And, if you, and, and for some of our sisters, we have to put our foot down. The other thing I'll say is if you go to a job with hijab, it's way easier than getting a job without hijab and then putting hijab. It's the same thing with my kids. It's the last thing I'll say. My kids were little. They were in second, fourth grade, two of my daughters out of the others. They were the girls. I said to them, listen to me. We were going to a new school, and that, that was their grade, second and fourth grade. I said, listen, some people, they agree that with me on this one, and you don't have to agree with me. This is my children, so I can do what I want. But you do what you want. But in my experience in the West, the longer you wait to put hijab, the harder it is to put hijab, okay? Some people will say, no, you don't have to now. You wait till puberty, sister, that's not necessary. Good, keep your opinion. You do that with your kids, however that works out, alhamdulillah. For my kids, I don't agree. So for me, I put, okay? But I didn't I didn't force them. I went like this. Look, 
guys, I, I always talk very like um, maturely with my kids. So mashallah, they have a good head on their shoulders. I said, look, you're going into school. If you go into a school, who knows, maybe we're going to stay here. And in this school, maybe you will hit the age of puberty. And you know when it's time for the age of puberty, you have to put hijab. So it's going to be a little weird and awkward for you. I just want to give you like a heads up. If you go in there and you're like no hijab and then all of a sudden you wear hijab, you know, I, I think it might be hard for you. It's just an advice. If I were you, I would love to put it now for two reasons. One, because then I don't have to deal with that. People will be like, oh my gosh, she wears hijab. And then they'll get over it after like a couple weeks because people are bored. They don't like stick on people. They have other things to talk about and they'll get over it and no one will care. And number two, you will give da'wah. I said, how many other girls in there you think they're Muslim? But they're scared to be Muslim. MashaAllah, you will be a source of strength. You'll be an inspiration. Your teachers maybe never met a Muslim. And they will, they will look to you and, and you can educate them and you can ask a question for them. And I, give, I gave them like, a, a, like a, a real reason. And this is true. Same reason we can wear hijab in the workplace. Let them ask us. It's good for them. Right? It's only as awkward as we make it. So anyway, really proud of my girls. They said, mommy, that makes sense. Yalla, give me hijab. It's okay. And they did. And when they were this small, I didn't make them wear all the time. We just, you know, eased into it. But I gave them the choice in that age. And I started at a young age. And from that, alhamdulillah, they're okay. But my point to you is, it's easier if you put it in, than later you put it on. So go there as you are. Alhamdulillah. And don't fear um, poverty and money and finances. Because the Prophet, peace be upon him, said the shaitan, he will trick us with this. He said the shaitan will make you to fear over your children and money and poverty. He literally would go on and on about it. It's actually a warning. So as soon as you have that thought, you should be thinking of the Prophet, peace be upon him. That should be your response. My rizq is with Allah. This, my, my, what is going to come to me of monetary sustenance and other types of sustenance is from Allah. It's not from this boss. It's not from this job. It's not from anything. It's by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah wants to give it, he will give it. He wants to hold it. It's at any place in the world, in any job in the world. I could be on the street. I can be in the plane. He wants to give it. He will give it to me. This is your attitude. The job doesn't make or break you. So this sister was having two major fears in this comment. One was her parents. Oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. Don't fear your parents. Oh my gosh, the job. What if I don't get it? I get it. I don't get it. I'm going to get it. Don't fear the, the job. Don't fear the parents. It's from Allah that you're given anything. Yeah? Makes sense, ladies? Alhamdulillah. So for the next one, if you, like I said, you want to send me any question, please DM me on Instagram, Mindful Muslimah. And don't forget, if you'd like me to mention your name, because I didn't mention the sister's name, then inshallah ta'ala, you will see um, that uh, I can mention you, give you a shout out. If you want your voice on the podcast, send me a voice note and I will upload inshallah if I can figure out how to do this. I'm almost positive I know. I have my team anyway. They're always really supportive. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. And um, I want to put you on the podcast, literally like your spoken question. That's also an option. Love you all for the sake of Allah. I hope this helps. And don't forget, by the end of the week, look on my stories, maybe like Thursday, Friday-ish, for the sign-up for the registration for that free um, Muslim professional workshop. We're going to cover whether you want to start something on your own or you just want to know how to be a good Muslim professional in the workplace in a physical space that is, you know, not something you're running, but just be the good Muslim and have the good example and know how to do things the right way. Sound good? All right, I'll see you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.